Hey everyone, welcome to the Common Good Podcast. It's the 17th of January. Happy January 17th to you. And if it's your birthday today, happy birthday. Hey, did I ever tell you that I went through a thing on Facebook and I think every day of the year, I had a friend that had a birthday. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. There's some, and, and then I looked at, then that caused me to look up the number, like how many friends do you have to have for someone statistically to have a birthday every day? Yeah. It's a small number. I don't know. A couple, See, a couple, is it 366? A couple. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Here's a leap here. Is that what you did 366? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess if you just have the right friends in the, if you just, if you select them very carefully, that would be the lowest, that would be the lowest number you can get to. Well, it's not my birthday today, uh, um, but uh, happy January 17th. Uh, I'm in Minneapolis. It's cloudy and grim. Grim, grim, grim. These are, this is a grim winter day. Sleeting, snowing, freezing rain, all different words, you know, all different forms of liquid attack. Uh, that's, that's how it is here. Rob, how is it there in Fayetteville, Arkansas? Yeah, it's, uh, we had a wind advisory yesterday with, uh, with gusts up to 25 miles an hour. But uh, today it is sunny and it's going to be in the mid-60s and hopefully wow. not terribly windy. It's going to be a beautiful January day. Good grief. Are you going on a bike ride today? That seems like just an ideal leisurely bike ride day. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I'll take that as a maybe. No, no plan. <laughs> no plans. Uh, you know, you don't have the tire pump sitting out, out in front of the garage. No plans today. Okay. No plans today. But you know, you're mentioning birthdays. I uh, will be traveling this weekend to um, Northern Virginia to celebrate my dad's oh. 80th birthday. Wow! And wow. Uh, yeah, and it the entire family is going to be together. It'll be the first time that uh, my both my sisters and I and our parents and all of our kids will Good be thing. together in like, I don't know, 10 years. So super excited about that. And frankly, have a little bit of trepidation. I already sent a text to the the family chat that said, I will not be talking about politics over the course of this weekend. <laughs> and, uh, huh. you know, but, but yeah, so kind of exciting. Well, I hope you all get along for the sake of your dad. You know, he's 80. Sometimes we encourage people to break the no talk rules, but in this case, it's probably for the best. Yeah, yeah that's right. Just just keep the status quo for dad. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, how about there in Michigan? What are things looking like in West uh, Michigan? Very similar. It's gray and gloomy, wet. Wet. Yeah. Seems to be wet like everywhere except that middle of the country. It's been wet out east. It's been wet here in the Midwest. It's certainly been wet out in California. And to those yeah. of you in California, give us an update on how things are going there, especially Southern California. But I think they're actually feeling like maybe they're going to you know, see a dramatic increase in the amount of water available to stave off you know, uh, water wars and just real problems out, out west finally after I think a two-decade-long drought. Oof. Like that is, that's a yeah. long, long time they've yeah. been without water out there, out of, you know, at a level yeah. they need. Well, Doug, as we, uh, as we jump into politics today, because it's mm. Tuesday and we talk about politics on Tuesdays, I, I, here's a question I've got. Are the wheels coming off the Biden administration? You know, I, I was pretty critical early on the first year of the Biden administration. I thought he mm. was going to get pegged with being uh, ineffective as someone who had the best intentions but couldn't actually get anything done and execution would be the problem. And I thought that the mm -hmm. image of that was going to be the withdrawal from Afghanistan and it was just going to haunt him. And then year two, 
man, things turned around. And I, I mean, Joe Biden was absolutely shocking to me. And I felt like, wow, here's one of the most effective presidents we've mm-hmm. ever seen in terms of legislation passed and leadership, uh, staving off a, a horrific loss in the midterms, all of these and now, um, I mean, even through the midst of inflation, you know, he, he he kept it together. Now it feels like, you know, you mentioned riding a bike. You know that feeling when you're riding a bike and it gets wobbly and all of a sudden it feels like it's uh, it's getting out of control and this thing's, you know, about to fall down? I, it feels to me a little bit like that's where we're at with the Biden administration, mm-hmm. that there are a number of things that are taking place that um, I'm, it's just, you know, we we're cruising along great. And now all of a sudden, like, what is going on? Do you, do you have that sense that, um, that this is a, that what's happening right now is a little speed bump that he'll be able to get over or are, are we headed for, you know, the the car crash, the end of the Biden administration. Yeah, I don't think it's quite uh, end of the administration, and I think sometimes my tendency to swing from you know things are good, things are bad, things are good, things are bad does doesn't help because we don't often know what what's really going on with the future is. But I think for the metaphor here, I, I would say the question is: Is this rough ride right now, especially around these documents, which I think is an enormously big deal? Mm-hmm. Is this rough road or does this show a problem with the suspension in the vehicle? In other words, is this just a thing that a good quality vehicle will still ride bumpy when you're like, boy, they really need to fix the roads around here. You'd think for a toll road, this thing would work better. Just commenting on my drive down to Oklahoma this this last <laughs> week. Yeah. Is it that? In other words, it's just a situation that the administration is going to find its way to get over or... Is this something in the vehicle itself that's a problem? Yeah. And it could be, to, to just really belabor this metaphor, if you ride drive on really bad roads too long, you can damage the vehicle. Yep. The way they've handled this, in my view, the way especially the president has responded to these things, the kind of very classic Joe Biden flippant tone that he has taken around this is causing them to hit many more potholes and stay on this road longer than than they ought to be, to sort of belabor that that point. I think this document deal uh, is a really really big thing. Now, it could pass, right? Things could come out. It could, uh, there could be a special counsel report. People just get generally bored with this kind of stuff and inflation goes down and you kick in, you know, and some other piece of good news comes along. On the other hand, because Donald Trump is such a disaster and because of Donald Trump's many crimes against this country, it really damages the critique against Trump's behavior by the Biden team having to respond to multiple days in a a week of, oh, we found more of these documents. There's now more in another place. We found a couple of more. Now we're up to 20. Now you can't even use the phrase a handful. I mean, I don't think you get to use handful when you're talking 20. So I think I th- this doesn't seem like it's it's finished and done. Um, and uh, and there's just a number of questions about this, like, yeah. you know, that, that we should and, probably talk about here. But Yeah, and, and this 
situation. And, and, you know, I wasn't just talking. Certainly the documents are a huge part of this. But it feels like the situation at the border, it feels, you know, that, that that's going to that that's a problem for the Biden administration. There's the the student loan for forgiveness that has been scuttled by the courts. And, you know, I, I think is going to be is is going to be turned back by the courts and ultimately. And I, I just think that there's a number of kind of like that was a signature turned out to be a signature thing for Biden. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I worry that, that we're in a spot where, you know, the bumpy roads are taking the toll, taking their toll on the suspension. Yeah, could be, um, could be. And, the, and you know, the it, upside on the border though, is people don't care. This is great yeah. consternation to me and to our organization. We want people to care. Democrats don't tend to care about the border. Republicans only care about it as a talking point. So I, I don't know if I don't know if that's going to have real political, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's clearly a weakness. It's been a weakness with the Biden administration. We talked about that around here. Tried tried yeah. to do a lot a year ago about that to try to uh, reach out to voters and try to frame up something, even for the administration, as a different way yeah. to think about these things. And they're they're uninterested in yeah. uh, making the border a big deal. But will people care? I I, I don't know. I hope so, but yeah. I, I I worry that. They just they that they're they're measuring political sentiment properly, and I'm measuring it with aspiration. Yeah, and the yeah. frustrating I mean, thing too is a lot of these seem to be self-inflicted wounds, like how they're handling the border. Like they're doing things that don't please any. They're never going to please the Republicans. They're never going right. to be, you know, hard enough on you know build the wall stuff to please the Republicans. But now they're not doing anything to work with Democrats who do want change at the border yep. and humanitarians who are begging for change at the border. And, you know, the documents and says another, like, shouldn't someone have double checked that when all the Donald Trump stuff was coming out? Like, well, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, Dan, I think you're exactly right. And that was the same frustration that I felt about the student loan stuff, you know, like, come on, just do it. There's no sense upsetting, mm -hmm. you know, people who should be in your base. Um, so I, here's to use another, you know, to, to mix a couple more metaphors. Um, <laughs> I have a concern certainly that the Biden documents are going to throw a wet blanket on the, um, the opportunity to use Trump stealing um, classified documents uh, and having the the raid on Mar-a-Lago, I, I think the Biden document situation is going to throw a wet blanket on that, and uh, and is going to kind of take politically speaking take that away from Democrats as a as a a tool in their toolbox yeah. to dismantle Donald Trump. Even though there are um, obvious differences between the two scenarios, yes, it doesn't yeah, matter. But no, but you get to a point, and you know, Dave just asked the question why are top secret documents treated so casually that's the question i that's an excellent question like thousand times okay, over okay donald trump was able to take all these documents because people have been taking documents you know like there's not there like there hasn't been an extra special attention to treating these things with care you know yeah uh, and and i so Donald Trump was able to exploit a 
a culture, a lackadaisical culture around this stuff, I think. But here's, here's my real big concern, even more so than throwing the wet blanket on, uh, on Donald Trump. My big concern is that the Biden document story is going to be fuel for the fire for Republicans who want to investigate Biden. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And the, the ability to say, to roll your eyes and say, come on, this Hunter Biden stuff is ridiculous. Grow up, you know, let move on. Come on, you obstructionists. You all you want to do is investigate. All they have to say is he had documents in his garage. We have to investigate. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and this, it, it takes away any ability of Democrats to, to stunt the Republican impulse to investigate, 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 investigate. And it's just, it's, it's, it's not yeah. good for the country. It's not good for democracy. And I don't think it's going to be good for Joe Biden. Yeah. And on the other hand, the way I think it could turn out is the same group of people that say, hey, this document thing really matters. We want to now focus on that are now saying we as Republicans, along with Democrats, think that the treatment of documents matters. Yeah. So it's harder than for the administration uh, or for the for the the Republicans to say, oh, this Donald Trump thing with all these documents, that stuff doesn't matter. Why, why are you making such a big deal out of that? So they, they have a choice to make here. Right. <laughs> are they going to go down the road of this matters and makes a big yeah. deal? Here's what I think is going to be the difference, though, between Trump investigation and the Biden investigation on the, on the documents. No president, former president or former vice president is going to be prosecuted for mishandling the documents. That's just not what's going to, that's just not going to be a thing ever in our country. We're not, it's not that, it's, it's not that uh, important enough to enough people to make that a real crime. Obstructing justice, lying about it. Like, like just remember what what caused the Mar-a-Lago raid. And that was someone from within the Trump organization reached out to the justice department and said, There are more documents. They're planning to move them. They turned over closed circuit television footage of behavior around this. A totally different thing. At this point, the only thing we all know is classified documents in Trump's situation, classified documents in Biden's situation. Both really bad. Bad, Mm -hmm. bad behavior. It's the kind of thing that makes you say, can't these people just be better at their jobs? And truly... Can't Joe Biden, his former vice president, go through his boxes in his garage? Can we just pause <laughs> on this for a minute? I mean, well, we don't all you keep have an stuff. assistant that does that? Like, yes. And do you keep papers in your garage in Delaware? <laughs> like, truly, I, I, I don't understand. I can see, like, hey, at the archives or inside of a place, there was, you know, in an office in a file cabinet, we keep where we keep papers. Why they're in his garage with his car is just a separate, like, what on earth are you doing yeah. with stuff that you think, stuff that documents would be included in the boxes, you know, uh, with, of. So, but, but this is where it's going to pivot. When the Justice Department comes out with a report, if that report on Trump's behavior is, 
we believe he intentionally deceived, lawyers deceived, and they sought to limit the actions of the federal government to re- to return those documents. That's the trouble that's going to yeah. that, that's it's, always been on the horizon, yeah. and that's going to be a really different argument than the document. Yeah. But to your average it's, person, to yeah. most of us, it's, it's going to be like, well, what, they didn't do it to the other guy. Yeah, it's what's called process crimes. That it's it's crimes that take place in the process of the investigation. Scooter Libby didn't go to jail for relief for. Uh, in, for releasing Valerie Plame's name, he went to jail for lying under oath about it. Bill yeah. Clinton was not impeached for, you know, having an affair with Monica Lewinsky in in the Oval Office. He was impeached for lying under oath. Um, these are process crimes, and 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 so I I think you're absolutely right, Doug. One of the key differences between what's taken place with Joe Biden and Donald Trump is that, you know. Biden has cooperated. His people have cooperated. There's been, you know, as soon as, allegedly, as soon as stuff was discovered, can you, ima- you imagine being the guy that as they're cleaning out this office in, you know, at University of Pennsylvania where he, he had an office and now it's time to close it down and, you know, like their lease is run out. And so they're going, you know, boxing stuff up and cleaning stuff. Imagine being that guy who's like, oh, no. This piece of paper says top secret or says secret. Look at this. Look at this. What do we do? Oh, my goodness. He's just like, oh, the the freak out that that poor guy must have had. Uh, These are, but they're getting, but you're absolutely right. They're getting caught on the process crimes that happened during the midst of the investigation, not the bad behavior itself. Yeah. And that's because they're separate actions, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're, the the action that got the FBI into Mar-a-Lago versus the action that got the lawyers for the Biden uh, for Joe Biden to reach out to the Justice Department, those are really different actions, right? That's the, and and that's going to be the the thing that's going to uh, I think probably uh, obliterate the is Biden's document treatment uh, a political hazard. On the other hand. On the other hand, the fact that it's not it, it, the possibility that it may not be a political hazard doesn't mean that this treatment of these documents is not inappropriate. Right. Like, find a way, all of you, yes. George Bush, Obama, Clinton, uh, Trump, Pence, Biden. Like, can you gentlemen all please find a way to look through your stuff? And when someone's packing up your office, to notice that a document is... And why do you just have secret documents in your office that are now being packed? Like this whole explanation from Trump Who has all the documents anyways? Like, I mean, you know, like... <laughs> well, I will tell you, some of those ones from Trump, they think were digital ones that then were printed. I mean, that's a whole other... That, that, that is a whole other question. <laughs> of course. But, yeah. but again, why, why they're... Um, the the casual nature of this. Now, I know the answer because I've heard this from people long before this Trump thing ever came out. There's a whole, you know, uh, investigation on what's referred to as the overclassification of mm. secret documents and secret conversations and stuff. And it makes the function of the government difficult. So people have been trying to fix that, like not have the 
not have things seem so uh, locked down and classified that the, the the secret makers in our in our government really want things to be classified. So the pushback has been that people are like, yeah, I know it says you know classified on it, but it really shouldn't. Or let's that it's not like we all know the difference between you know super classified in a yeah. skiff, you know, like in a special room. So you have to look at it. And the stuff that's just like classified because we don't want it getting out to the press and, and everything else. They should fix all that. In fact, I think Congress like three or four years ago had some whole committee on this. You know, I think they were looking into, into all this. Having said that, the only things that I've heard get to a president are things that are like super important. That's the way it's supposed to work. Can we just keep this like random stuff away from, away from presidents and not have Presidents or vice presidents leave the Oval Office uh, or the vice president's office and then leave things in their garage for six years? Yeah, I, I, I'm even... Go through like, the boxes, dude. What do you want to take? Yeah, like, what? <laughs> it just well, doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, yeah, and we're not going to know, right? You know why we're not going to know? Because they're classified. Because they're, class- <laughs> 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 because they're classified documents. So then people are going to be like, well, I can, we can sort of say it has something to do with this and that. And, you know, unless they declassify it. And, and here's the funny thing. Like Biden could have just said, oh, everything that is in, you know, my, my six-year-old uh, packing boxes are hereby declassified. He could have pulled a Trump, you know. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, sure right? he's thought that by now. So that's good enough. Right? I declare them. Yeah. Unclassified. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Talk about I, the border, the, Doug. We've talked about the, the documents. Talk about the border. Why is this going to be a problem or should it be a problem? Like, how are they bungling this thing? Well, first off, it's a humanitarian problem. The fact that we limit the number of migrants who can come into our country legally to such a degree that we choke off the uh, proper flow, choke it off both for the demand of people wanting to come in the country and the demand of the United States of America to have migrants come in the country both for work and for family engagement and for personal experience. These are crucial issues. Our government has been limiting the number of migrants who can come in since the early 1800s and targeting some groups to say you're more welcome to come in and limiting other people. It has been a long-term practice. It is not serving anyone well, not the country, nor people seeking to come to the country. That needs to change. The Biden administration has very little appetite to aggressively address that issue. I know that they're working on some things. I'm in some weekly calls with that give updates on what they're doing on changing the migration acceptance process for people in the United States. So they're working on it, but they're interest in working on it is not going to is not going to match the need. Last estimates I heard were more than 2 million migrant workers short in the United States of what our economy needs to function in a healthy way. It might be close to 3 million now. That our economy expects and has been built on there being more workers available in the United States and many of those filled by people who are not born in or are not citizens of this country currently. And they don't exist. So we have a labor shortage in great part due to this. The problem the Biden team has, though, is the people that they want to get to vote for them are still the old-timey Republicans that still think that if we open up 
our borders to more migrants coming in, they're going to, quote, take good American taxpayer jobs. So they're in this quandary. This is part of the, you know, the affiliation that the Biden uh, uh, team, I think in a, in a very positive way, has with unions. But there's a lot of union reps who don't want there being a lot of migrant workers coming in because oftentimes these migrant workers come in and don't participate in unions. So you have these two pressures going on. That's where the real problem is going to be politically is that this issue of the border divides the Biden coalition, makes it more difficult. And that's what's happening and going on. So this is not going to be politically difficult because the Biden team is you know, not going to please Republicans. They should be better on the humanitarian side of all this so that more often Republican voting peoples will vote for for Biden. But the bigger issue is it's going to divide the coalition between the the activists, the humanitarians and the, and the labor market and, and the, 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 the labor, uh, uh, um, the labor numbers are clear we're suffering greatly as a society in the United States yeah. because of a lack of a lack of um, workers that are available in the United States Co- coming out of COVID, but also because of the Trump policies and because of the Biden policies. So yeah. right now, what Biden's what Biden administration has done is said that three countries have uh, more open access than others. So Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua. That's because they want those countries' governments to be toppled. But if you're from any other country. Coming here to work, coming here to participate, coming here for family unification, you're cut off. And we have this ridiculous policy in the United States that no country can have more than 15% of the total number of migrants accepted in the United States. It's, 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 it hasn't, it has never served this country well. It needs to go away. And there is zero appetite in Congress and zero appetite in the administration to do anything about it. So we're a long term crusade. That's it's interesting to hear you talk about how immigration can divide the Democratic coalition because you know in our work with with Vote Common Good, we've seen that if there's one issue where an evangelical Christian who identifies as a Republican, if there's if there's one issue where that person could be out of step with Republican leadership, it's on the issue of immigration. Like it's it's the it's the anom- now that's not to say that all evangelical Christians are out of step because they're not there's a whole bunch of them that are mm-hmm. the build the wall folks but in the 15 to 20% of of evangelicals that are flippable mm-hmm. where we focus our work what we found is that immigration is the one issue where they it's the number one issue where they are going i don't know like ah, like it's it's the one that they feel uncomfortable about, and so if they're they can become flippable. That's why kids in cages was such a big deal for That's Trump right. vo- voters. These soft-hearted evangelical Christians turned on Trump because of kids in cages. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's the issue where they're out of step. Now, what's what's interesting is so this is an issue that divides both that has the potential to divide coalitions on both mm-hmm. sides, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's why. It's it, nobody's willing to touch it because you know, like, the, why take that risk? Yeah, if Rob, you, Rob could, you, you and I have been on many pull, a converse. If you could pull off, if you could pull fifteen to twenty percent of white evangelicals to support Democrats, 
using this issue and it not oh, hurt gosh. your own coalition. They do it in a second, but they don't. They, they but you're absolutely right talking about the labor unions that they like. It's it's got the potential to hurt both sides. Yeah, it's tough. You, you and I have been in many conversations talking with Democratic candidates when we consult with them and help them think about how to position to voters. And they're with us, and with and I have watched the faces of of uh, people running for office and elected officials and their staff when we bring up immigration. It just like goes from this mm. to like the energy drops, and yes. all of a sudden, when we're like, "So, how are you thinking about immigration?" They're like, "We think they turn into robots repeating a statement of." I'm saying nothing out of step here. That is so so there's a reflexive response on the Republican side which is they want to hook your kids on drugs and they're sending all the bad people and drug dealers. And then there's the Democrats that are like we need to have a legal immigration system that seems right and fair and helps everyone. <laughs> and and like that's not true. None of those people think that. They yes. just know the rules of the game are you don't get to talk about this one. This thing is 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 off the table, and there's a lot of reasons for it. And um, we're going to stay on it. We're going to keep uh, encouraging people. Maybe in a in a few years, you know, I I just long for the day when uh, remember seeing those old those videos from the 1980 um, primary debate yeah. between Bush and Reagan when they were yeah. both seeking the nomination, and they're like one upping each other on who's more pro immigrant. And who's more yeah, compassionate? And, 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 yeah. and Reagan says this thing like, and some people are talking about building a physical barrier between the U.S. and Mexico. That doesn't make any sense. Like that's just <laughs> <laughs> that's totally outrageous. This is a, that any politician to talk about this, but instead, what the Biden administration did this this week was first come out and say, "Hey, we're going to really do what we need to do to enforce our laws. They are bad laws. Fix them." Yeah. Change the bad laws, yes. Yeah. And yeah. if you can't change the bad laws, you change the bad lawmakers. That's right. And speaking of bad lawmakers, can we can we talk about something not nearly as serious as, as all of this? <laughs> yeah, but, but far more podcast worthy. Oh. What's funny is I don't know which story you're referring to. <laughs> which way we're going. <laughs> well, listen, I, I mean, I, I, I absolutely loved the, the spinoff from the January 6th committee show. Um, which was the, the spinoff, which was the, you know, the picking the speaker show. And I just absolutely loved it. And it turns out that there was um, some, some bloopers left on the cutting room floor. Um, you know, my Vanessa, Vanessa has watched every episode of friends, you know, multiple times. Oh. I have too. It's a show that doesn't hold up in a lot of ways and is, and is homophobic oh, really? and transphobic and fat phobic. And a lot of the jokes really? don't hold. Oh yeah. No, I doesn't didn't know hold, any of this. Huh. Doesn't hold up Did at all. Did not age well. No. Hmm. Um, but, um, you know, you, you're scrolling TikTok and there's friends bloopers and you stop and you watch. And it's like, oh, the little behind the scenes stuff of like, this is what the interaction was between the actors. And that was really funny. I would have, I, I would have loved to have, you know, part of this interaction. We, we, we get the, uh, we get the behind the scenes bloopers from the, uh, the speaker show. <clears throat> We're a, Apparently, two of the main characters, 
uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, um, got into a little, uh, little, little tiff, little argument, little fight in the ladies' bathroom at the House <laughs> of Representatives. <laughs> so here's the story. Tensions between Representatives Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene boiled over into a confrontation in a women's restroom at the U.S. Capitol. The squabble took place January 3rd on the first day of the new Congress in the House Speaker's lobby ladies', re- ladies room. Sources told the Daily Beast the Lawmakers feuded over the perceived loyalty to Republican leader Kevin McCarthy as he tried to secure enough votes to become House Mm -hmm. Speaker. Green questioned Boebert's loyalty to McCarthy, and after a few words were exchanged, Boebert stormed out, said a source familiar. Uh, You are okay taking millions of dollars from McCarthy but refuse to vote for him for Speaker, Lauren, Green said, according to another source. The first source said Green came out of the bathroom stall and confronted Boebert, who was unaware the Georgia Republican was in the restroom, for taking money from – campaign money from McCarthy and then turning against him in the Speaker voting. That's when Lauren said, don't be ugly, the first source said, adding that Boebert then – ran out like a little schoolgirl. I mean, this, uh, <clears throat> you know, th- there's so much here, right? There's um, there's the gender thing, which can feel really weird to be like, oh, uh, women fighting is somehow worse. I don't think it is, and so we should, we should acknowledge that. Oh, but it, also... It, yeah, we can acknowledge that we also made fun of the uh, the guy in the wig trying to grab Matt Gates too. You know, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. The, 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 the physical altercations and fights that, uh, that went on with, with, within these, um, otherwise esteemed people at work. Again, let's remind ourselves these are, these are work environments that these people are at. They should, they should conduct themselves in, in work worthy ways. But setting aside th- that bit, the, the idea that this, that Lauren Bobert and Marjorie Taylor Greene were part of the same faction a year and two years ago when they were both elected in and were both tear it all down. They were both part of the, you know, we don't need the systems and structures. We need to destroy the systems and structures movement within the Republican party to watch that. The bizarre to, to, to watch that pull apart is, uh, really, uh, really something. And to see Marjorie Taylor green of all people being like, Hey, you owe the system. Kevin McCarthy is yeah. the system, and you owe him. This is just something else. I mean, talk about a, a person whose commitment seems simply to be her own advancement. Or maybe not. Maybe she's going through a metamorphosis and she wants to be somebody who is going to be more the role of members in the House of Representatives is to support the power structures that put them there. Is that where she now is? Like that conversation, the argument there of you took money from the from the the fundraising that Kevin McCarthy did and the way he chose to distribute it, and now you won't support him. Well, they're showing the old tit for tat that what they're up to here in the uh, apparently in the Republican caucus is uh, you kiss the ring, you pay yeah. you pay the piper. You know, I, Lauren Boebert. You remember, won her congressional race by a, a, a what a, a thousand votes or so. Yeah, um, 
It was tremendously close. She's not coming from a position of power. She needed the money from Kevin McCarthy. She needed every dollar she got. Um, And so I think, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's got a bit of a point. I don't know. Dan, what do you think? Well, with a fight like this, it's just good that no one called the gazpacho police. Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Uh, this is the thing about about both of these people and the others that are in their in their ilk, the Gateses, the Gomers, the, these people. Apparently, the Santoses, because apparently, oh, you know, guy. the like the like bad boys, bad women of the House of Representatives. My find, new favorite congressman. It just doesn't end. <laughs> I, I mean, so so here's a, a photo. If you're watching the live stream uh, of Santos taking his oath of office. I think this is the oath that they, you know, when they finally were able to take it that, that night. And who's he standing right next to? Literally, like, his, uh, inside the raised arm of, but Matt Gates. Yep. So of all the people you could sit next to in your 221-person Republican caucus, who's he snuggled right under the little wing of? Yeah. Matt Gates. Well, we so saw that, that happen. That caucus... It's hard to take these people seriously, is my point. Mm-hmm. Whether that's Santos or Gates or Gomer or Boebert or Green, these are not serious people doing the serious work. They are, and, and look, not, not every person in any system is supposed to carry the same weight. But if you're the mascot, if you're the hype man, if you're the 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 halftime entertainment, if you're the fire up the crowd person, then know your that that's your role. Yeah, it's interesting right. now to see that Marjorie Taylor Greene wants to run committees. She wants to be in the power structure. She wants to she wants to be the serious person uh, inside the system. Is just an interesting thing. I, I who knows where where that will go, or if I'm overplaying what she, what she's getting at. But her behavior over the last six months has clearly been that she wants to pivot herself from being the outsider to being the insider. Yeah, I mean this George Santos stuff is just. I mean, it the the ongoing revelations you can't make um, it up. It's like oh man, what? I mean, he or you literally can make this, or all you of literally this up. make yeah, it make all up. up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, everything from you know him, him him using his middle name and his mom's maiden name, and and so like you know, it, it, yeah, I think it's uh, Andrew Devolver. I think is like the alternative and he's used a number of different, you know, combinations, George DeVolder to Anthony Santos and like, the, like he said, the whole gamut of wow. like, you know, listen, I, I, I kind of changed my name once when I was in, when I hit seventh grade, um, I no longer wanted to be called Robbie. Um, I wanted to be called Rob. And so I just stopped responding when my parents called me Robbie um, and, until they called me Rob. And I was able to, to break them of, of that, you know, horrible, horrible habit of calling me Robbie. Now, granted, a couple of years later, I added the second B to Rob, which to this day, my dad still, you know, it just, you know, blows his mind. Uh, so but you've changed have, your name multiple times is what you're saying. Yeah, and. And then changed it the second time to Rob B. 
So that's <laughs> there you just go. also really, really. Oh, I know. It just blows your mind. My point is, like I've, <sighs> like I've never, like I've never used an alias. <laughs> right? You know, no. Like, what, what is going on with this guy? Like who? Yeah, who, who you? Who uses aliases? Who has multiple names that they're known by? And I mean, this yeah, is in, this in like. A, Television shows in in public in public situations and 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 official official ways like you that you have different different names of things that you've yeah. organized under registered under and and shockingly we didn't see this coming ties to Russian oligarchs literally ties to people who have been sanctioned by the United States of America from Russia with those people investing in his companies. This is where this is going to go, that this guy is going to have some time, you know, this question about where did the money come from for him to be paid as much as he paid so that he could lend the money to his campaign when a few years ago he had a $50,000 a year salary and then could lend $500,000 or something like that to his campaign. Where did that money come from? He said, from work and business. Fair enough. Good for you. That's, you know, that's what happens sometimes. People just get huge increases. So who paid you? Who'd you get your money from? Oh, turns out it might be the cousin of a Russian oligarch. Yeah. Okay. Now we're talking. Now, now we're talking. Dirty. So all of this, just every day. I don't know what the what the knee surgery story is. Do, do you know about this one? I, I heard somebody oh, talking no, about. Oh no, I haven't it. heard the knee surgery story. Apparently, part of his campaign was he ruptured his knee playing a sport at a college and. So on and so forth. Yeah, he yeah, never yeah. went he to the he college. Big, he never played the sport. He never, had, he never had the knee surgery. I mean, just total fictions about what's yeah. about what's going on. Um, and that's not you know that, that's all the tantalizing stuff. That's the frosting. That's the tasty part that your teeth yeah. first hit. Where it gets interesting is this Russian oligarch thing. Where it gets interesting is where the money come from and what did the leadership of the Republican Party and Kevin McCarthy, no. McCarthy was asked explicitly that question yesterday. And uh, if we'd had our our body uh, our body language expert uh, look at the video, which we probably should do, Kevin McCarthy goes from standing even on two feet, you know, just not moving, talking, answering a question. When he starts answering, you can see him start literally shifting from one foot to the other. Just the classic side of shifty, like, what did I know? Uh, well, about what? What did I know about Santos? What would you know about Santos's uh, resume? Um, in what sense do you mean, what did I know? You knew. He said, well, I think I knew he maybe was embellishing a little bit. Oh, if this comes out that there's documentation that McCarthy knew and let all this go. Then, and then there's some Russian tie-in and then there's some finance campaign violations. Here we go. Now, you know, not now we're in. Let's make, let's make some predictions. Does he last the term? Does he last the year? Does he resign or is he booted? I don't think he resigns. He resigns before June. Is my is my prediction, and it's going to when the investigation about finance violate finance campaign violations come. That's when he steps away. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think he goes willingly until something actually starts to make it through the courts. Or, and I don't yeah, think the Republican out. Party is going to kick him out. They've no, I think they're going to charge him a number of or, times mm-hmm. that they're like, yeah, yeah, 
He lied. He made up a bunch of stuff. But who cares? <laughs> right. Okay. But let I'll, the voters uh, deal with him just, next time. I think once once he has some meeting with some as, investigator uh, and some lawyer, he's going to be like, you need to get this focus off of you. You need to strike a deal. You this this is the this is the the price that that gets that gets paid for this and the only reason it yeah. matters to any of us other than it's just ridiculous and because we don't live in this district is because it's so close the margin of republican hold and it's is not like, a it, it is not a safe republican seat it's a seat that he flipped it had yes. been held by a democrat like this is it's you know it's long island new york it could go it could. I mean, I have I have a friend who ran in the Democratic primary twice in this district. I like this is a district that could be like that could very easily go blue. Uh, or look, if know, they've got go to put back. a special election together sometime this year, yeah. that means you have to ramp up fast. And when the former congressman, the Democrat in that seat, is ready to go with money in the bank and a reputation, and you know, nearly fifty percent of the people who've already voted for him in the past, it's yeah. For the Republicans to put forth a candidate that would be uh, able to to hold their own is just going to be they would lose the seat. So that's I'm gonna the go big the, thing here. I'm, that becomes I'm a, two person, a, a two seat two seat switch. Uh, two seat yeah. switch. Yeah, I'll go the other way. I think he stays. I think he. I think he weathers it, and I think he serves the full term. Hmm. That for would the not very surprise me. Yeah. Us. Is that Republicans can't can't they will holding on to power like the, they will resist the pressure to to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So I think he I think he's mm. he serves full term. Crazy. Okay. Well, uh, mark mark we'll this day, January seventeenth, and uh, someone can can check back if and try to remember <laughs> what we said. Uh, somebody, yeah. Now somebody's got to remember. We're looking to you, Jim yeah. Eaton. We're looking to you, Dave. Looking to you, Elizabeth. You got to be the ones to pay attention here. Uh, yep. uh, on, 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 what, on what we said. But this sort of leads us into what is the plan for the whole Republican Party? What is their yep. platform? I, I really like this is a little dated, but uh, it's an opinion piece. And uh, the, the title is Take It From the Ad Buys, The GOP Nihilistic Negation Agenda is Nigh. And this comes from a, <laughs> a speech from Peter Thiel, uh, the PayPal co-founder. And uh, he was kind of questioning his own parties. He's a you know republic, big Republican donor and player, and said, "Hey, what's uh, what's the plan? It just seems like we're against things, and we uh, we just want to tear it all down. Is there any positive plan?" And uh, you know, Schumer has also recently you know blasted this agenda. Like people want Congress to do their job. And sometimes that means compromise, and sometimes that means mm-hmm. you don't get everything you want, and sometimes that means your opponent gets a little political win. But so do the American people. And I think mm-hmm. I haven't seen a clear picture from the Republican Party of here's what we're going to do to fix inflation, or here's what we're going to do to solve these problems and make your lives better, other than we're going to not let Joe Biden do anything. We're going to start investigations. We're going to just <laughs> intentionally throw yeah. a wrench in the gears of government. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, 
I, I think we've, you're absolutely right, Dan. I think I would sum up their, their agenda in, you know, as one obstruction through investigation two maintaining the culture war through this wokeism thing. Like, Oh my goodness. Yeah, so tired of this wokeism. <laughs> um, and then, and then three, you know, the we'll see the implement implementation of the classic Republican economic strategy of of mm-hmm. you know, tax cuts and deregulation. You know, like I, I we're going to see. You know, I, I can't imagine it being anything different than those things. You know, you've got you know the staying in power through demonizing your opponents, keeping your religious base happy through the culture war stuff, keeping your cor- corporate donor base happy through the tax cuts and deregulation. It's, it's the scenario to keep themselves in power. That's right. And when, when you're the party that has control of one of the houses and it's of Congress and it's the House of Representatives, not the executive branch and not the Senate, it's the House of Representatives, what you can do and what your agenda should be is really quite limited right there's only so much stuff that you can actually accomplish and it's decided that i mean it's it's designed that way people often say you know in politics that federal action is designed to be slow and it's designed to be collaborative that's how it's supposed to go so they're not going to get all that much all that much done the things they would want to do they know the Senate's not going to do, and they know Biden's not going to do. So what? What's left, right? What's on the? Uh, what's on that? What's the shorthand? The problem is one of the things they need to do is increase the debt limit. That's important, and they need to do it and stop talking about how we're spending money we don't have because the federal treasury spends only the money it has; it doesn't spend any other money. It literally makes the money. We'll come back with a with a, <laughs> a conversation about economics. They need to do that, but then after that. One of the things that the, that the House should do is to investigate. Now, we cheered it on when the House put together a select committee to investigate the near-on terrorist attacks that happened on January 6th, uh, 2021. Important to do. Yeah, they should investigate. I, personally, I'm glad they're investigating this stuff. I hope they talk about Hunter Biden until the cows come home. Go ahead. Let's... Let's find out. I'm actually quite interested too. If they think that the current president of the United States is tied into some business dealing by which he's active with China about that, we should really find out about that. Because I know for sure that the son-in-law and the daughter of the former president, the twice impeached one that used to sell steaks and couldn't manage to run a casino profitably, that guy, they're tied in with Saudi Arabia like for sure, like for reals, like that's the whole deal. Right. I mean, they're, they're Elon Musk level of tied in with Saudi Arabia as the funder of his Twitter takeover. So if that's what we're going to do, we're going to talk about the behavior of children and their business. That's, that's actually great. And I don't <laughs> think any president's kids or families should be the point. Right. But we should also be looking around and figure this out. And if someone's using their influence as an elected official, great. Let's have an investigation and put out a report and let's find out what's going on. Because you know what's not going on? Deals with Saudi Arabia to buy 666 Madison Avenue. 
And if you don't know what that reference is, well, good for you because you probably don't follow the uh, real estate purchases of one Jared Kushner and the daughter uh, of President Trump, Ivanka. So that's what they're up to. And if that's where this whole thing is, is going gonna, is gonna to ultimately lead is to these kinds of investigations, well, that's just great. Good, yeah. good, and good, speaking for, of, good for Congress. Speaking of Saudi Arabia, and just to you know, continue to devolve us into the, the realm of you know, absolute craziness, Donald Trump is a member of the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> The WWE is now up for sale, um, being sold by Don, by Donald Trump's friend Vince McMahon, who's married to um, one of Donald Trump's um, cabinet members and the head of the Save America PAC, um, Linda McMahon. And uh, there were reports this week that um, Vince McMahon, who um, had to leave because of you know sexual impropriety charges. You know, um, like it's all the same. There were reports this week that the WWE could be purchased by Saudi Arabia. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's wow. like there's this whole group of people that, you know, are just bought and paid for. They're they're living on Saudi money. And it's, yep. it's crazy to see. By the way, one of the things, uh, I think we have a slide for this, but yesterday I heard part of the deposition from the E. Jean Carroll lawsuit against Donald Trump. She's the person who yes. credibly claims that Donald Trump yes. physically assaulted and raped her. I read it. And there was a deposition that was done about this. Yep. And part of those that deposition was released. Yep. And it has Donald Trump saying things that are almost impossible to believe that he would have said. Yes. Near, I mean, because it's Donald Trump and his communication style is almost impossible to decipher what he's saying so often. At one moment, you're like, he's saying she wanted me to do the things that I did to her. And at another point, he's saying, no, she's saying she wanted me to do the things she said I did to her that I didn't do. But it, because it's just, but it is... Yeah. devastating this this deposition about the defamation lawsuit it's very complicated that she has a defamation lawsuit about Donald Trump for saying that she's a liar about something that she clearly was telling the truth about and and he's doing it again and this is the kind of thing that really could um get get him into serious uh serious situation not only yeah, legally on the list. but in a deposition <laughs> but with voter when the, i mean this is this is just oh evangelicals terrible. will not care they, just they terrible proven again and yeah. again they do not care about actual morals or values yeah. when it comes to staying in power yeah, you're, you're talking. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Dan. You're talking about you know, could two or three or four percent of these people just be like, look, it's just time to be done with this guy. Like I, you know, it it just all starts to be grain on the the scale. Um, but look, it's 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 also going to fire up the the right people to be like, this person, Donald Trump, is uniquely dangerous. Yeah. He is he is a dangerous person to this country in ways that are just And that's know. where maybe they uh they go for a two birds one stone and really double down on this secret document thing. They're like, Yeah, sorry, we gotta 
prosecute Trump to the full extent of the law while we uh, go after Biden too. It's only fair. And then they get Trump out of the way, clear the way for someone else to take the reins. I feel like the Republican power structure has been looking for an off-ramp since day one. Mm -hmm. And they just haven't had, I don't know, the spine or the political will or the belief that the base will follow to actually do it. And and look, if, if, if Joe Biden decides he's not going to run for reelection, which is my preference. I think it would be fingers crossed. I think he he should serve a great four years, accomplish all that he's accomplished and not try to pile it on with another four years uh, on top of that. If that happens and he decides not to run, what does that do to all the we need to investigate Joe Biden energy that exists mm-hmm. in in Congress? I think it's going to let some of the air out of that balloon and it's going to start to just look like a much smaller, much, much smaller uh, yep. balloon. Well, I'd like to welcome uh, Breaking Beans to the, uh, to the chat. <laughs> yeah. You say Trump yeah. is dangerous and you vote for people that kill babies. Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, no I don't babies, know if you're aware of Breaking uh, Beans, but... Donald Trump is rumored to have paid for abortions. So, uh, yes. Uh, if and, that bothers and, you, sorry. Yeah, and if Which you want to equate someone terminating a pregnancy baby. in the first number of weeks with killing a baby, and you are simply watching this while, in your estimation, there is a slaughter of babies happening, and what you're doing is writing comments here and not doing something more about a baby beans. I think you need to respond, or breaking beans, I think you need to respond a little differently if what you want to say is that what happens when a woman chooses to not continue the development of a zygote is killing a baby. I don't think you mean that. And um, I think you know the moral equivalency difference. And um, that doesn't do any, it, it doesn't honor the position that you say you hold. Yeah, the other. So we're not going to take down your comment or anything I, 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 when, I, I, when you, when you use phrases like "killing babies," but uh, just want to give you the benefit of the doubt that you don't mean that. That you know that there is a difference because yeah. if people were going into daycares or into nurseries and harming delivered babies and killing them, you would or, not be writing things on our on our uh, feed here. You you, yeah. you would be doing something more. So if there was that. a. If there was a genocide of 70 million babies and your response is commenting on Facebook or YouTube. (laughs) And not voting for Democrats, that's your response to a genocide. You could be the most immoral person I've considered. It would just be. (laughs) I don't know what you mean because you're not. Because because look, you're not not immoral, right? You're you're moral. That's what drives you to those comments. That's why you think those things. So let your language match the thing you really say and believe, which is you believe that the developing zygote to a fetus to a child is something that should be honored and cherished in the same way as an actual delivered baby. But it's not the same thing. It's not the same status in in uh, in human development. You might hold theologically or personally or philosophically that life begins there and you see no difference between two cells dividing and a baby in a in a nursery. But a lot of people do and I think you actually do too. I really do think you do think differently about that because as Rob said, if this was happening to delivered babies, you would respond differently. So 
You're welcome here, of course, but coming in with baby-killing narratives is not the way any reasonable person would think about the question of abortion. So that shorthand that might motivate is not an honest reflection of your beliefs. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing. Now, maybe you don't. Maybe you actually think there I mean, is maybe no do, literal difference. Yeah. Maybe you do bomb abortion clinics. <laughs> you might be that guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe you do, yeah, or, or, or maybe you're, you're tormented by something else. But, but look, I promise you, every Democrat I've ever known, if there were babies being killed, they would do something about it. And if you want to have a conversation about it, at what point do we start thinking about uh, when, when, hum- when, when it now reaches a level of human life? That's a really important question. And a lot of people, especially in the pro-life movement, they have very good thinking about this. When and how they're going to understand something to have the category and the level of, of human validation in, in our societal, societal norms. One of those is the moment sperm meets egg. I think that's the least justifiable argument you could possibly have mm-hmm. for it. Some people hold it. You should chase that down. But even those people don't call the, that babies. So that kind of language is not accurate. It's not what you believe. And we'd ask you just to be a little bit more um, yeah. uh, engaged yeah. with your own beliefs than that. Oh, but all that well, to say, good times. Thanks, thanks for, for joining us, in. Breaking Beans. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, well, hey, hey, yeah. hey, one more editorial. We've got a lot of stuff on our on our site uh, over on the, our YouTube channel about, about conversations around abortion. People don't like talking about it. Yeah. Right. Nobody wants to talk. Nobody wants to talk about the specifics of it. My guess, breaking beans, is you might not even know in your own state when abortion is allowed and when it's not and under what conditions, the details, even though the details seem to matter, don't know the difference between 15 weeks and nine weeks and 17 weeks and 24 weeks, but there's reasons why those things exist. People don't want to talk about it, but there's a lot of energy around it. But the one thing we don't want to let people just do around here is just throw out baby killer because it's it, it dishonors even the pro-life movement's uh, understanding of it. So, so come in with a little more, um, connection to those ideas, uh, about, about what you mean about, you know, say terminating a pregnancy or whatever language you want to use. Or if you're comfortable saying, I make no moral equivalency between cells dividing and a baby in a nursery, they're the same, then feel free to yeah. own that. And then tell us about, you know, how, yeah. um, that, that what you call those are babies. And justify your reaction to 70 million of them being murdered. So anyways, yeah. thank you, Breaking Beans, for uh, jumping in. And Jim and Stella and and Hog587 and Jim and Dave and Kimberly and Hog everybody else. Zero four by. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we had a bot in there. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Was it was that the bot? Yeah. Hey, I want to offer you promotions on your channel, viewers, followers, bot. views, chat bots. I'm not um, convinced breaking beans isn't some sort of bot. No, breaking no. beans is, is no. botless. botless. Um, but hey, we'll uh, we'll see everybody tomorrow. We got a great show tomorrow. We've got Bradley Onishi. Uh, he's going to be talking about Christian nationalism. He's the host of the podcast Straight White American Jesus, uh, which is like one of the top podcasts out right now so i'm real excited to have him on uh that's tomorrow and then i think thursday we've got astrophysicist paul wallace back with us to talk about space and science 
and goodness. And uh, so we'll see you all then. Bye. Bye.